All right, well, let's go ahead and we're going to begin where we left off last week and got ourselves on a bit of a journey here starting two weeks ago in the message on the counsel of the Word of God and how the Word counsels us on all things pertaining to life. We have to go to no other source but we can find it all within the Word of God. Last week, we dug into the counsel of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is very patient with all of us slow learners. (laughs) How the Holy Spirit is our teacher, and we need that no man instruct us, but as the Holy Spirit comes and brings the revelation of the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit becomes our teacher. Today, we're going to continue on in the the counsel of the multitude, or the multitude of counsel. And last week, we ended with three scriptures in Proverbs, where we're going to pick up today. In Proverbs 11, 15, and 24, starting with verse 11 starting with chapter 11, verse 14, it says, Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 15, 22 says, Without counsel, plans go array. But in the multitude of counselors, plans, they, are established. And then Proverbs 24 in verse 6 says, For by wise counsel you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Lord, we thank you today for your word. Lord, and I just pray today, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear Lord, that you would give us hearts to understand. Lord, that we would be a people who were responsive to your word, responsive to the speaking and teaching of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, that we would be a people who learn to trust and walk in the safety of those who you have placed in our life. And Lord, we just commit this to your glory and ask you to speak to us Today, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Seeking godly counsel, safety being found in the multitude of counselors. This can be quite the the nerve-wracking thing, having to engage people in our life having to engage people in our important decisions. Many times it's nerve-wracking and sometimes we even fail to seek godly counsel mainly just because nobody wants to be told what to do. Somebody say amen other than Ken. That's just the fact of the matter. Some handle it with a little bit more grace than others, but nobody likes to be told what to do. I'll just give you one on me just to start with as I'm, I'm the, the sacrificial lamb, and I'll have a half a dozen of you come after me afterwards and offer more counsel. But I told you that story three weeks ago, about four weeks ago, about the whole boat story. And, you know, a number of, had a number of conversations since then. But, but finally, I, I got back on the phone with my boat mentor, whom I ask way too many questions to. And he just is like, enough already. Just shut up. Leave me alone. Go buy a new boat because I'm tired of helping you. <laughs> and finally, I was just asking him some things. And he says, okay. He says, I'm about to tell you something but you're not going to want to hear it. I said, come on, dude, what you wait? I don't have time for this. Just tell me. He says, man, you drive that boat like a bat out of beep. 
He says that boat is not meant or not able to endure the way that you drive it. And I thought about that. I wanted to argue. I wanted to get offended. I wanted to get mad. But I needed his help. <laughs> I needed his counsel. I needed and value this friendship. That's a ridiculous small example as we're sort of lightening the atmosphere as we're moving forward. But the reality is, is that, that no one likes to be corrected or admonished or steered in a different direction than we ourselves think we want to go. And sometimes, as we also just sort of laying out the path right here, counseling and the multitude of counseling doesn't just fall into the category of correction or steering you in a different direction. We have, we have sort of plopped all of the multitude of counseling into, if I share this, somebody's going to try to change my mind. And that is not the heartbeat or we should say not supposed to be the heartbeat of the multitude of counsel. The posture of one's heart has to decide and be open to and willing for engaging others in the multitude, meaning multiple, not necessarily multitudes as we would think about big crowds that followed Christ. But multitude meaning multiple people with open hearts, being willing to profess and say, I am open to hearing what the Lord would speak and say through you. That is the posture that one is walking in to this, as the Bible calls it, safety of counsel. You see, we need to learn that there is safety. Everybody say safety. Say it again. Say safety. We get nervous and everything when we're in, we're in situations that are not safe. We're on boats. Why not? You know, I'm on my boat and all of a sudden I'm in a flat boat and the waves are kicking up. There's been a few times where I'm like, hold up. I'm not safe in this situation right now. Me and Gabriel, one time in my little boat before we come out past the wall, open through the gates, next thing you know, you got five-foot seas, and we're out there. I'm like, oh, it's not safe out here. You see, the multitude of counsel is not supposed to, somebody's kind of walking along trying to, to navigate life and make important decisions for themselves or their family or for church or for a group of people that they're leading. And next thing, they're walking in relative peace, even though there's important decisions needing to be made. And they, they walk through the, the barriers and all of a sudden they walk into five foot seas of counsel that's just trying to pound them and destroy them. That's sometimes the picture that we get of multitude of counsel. But it's not the picture that the Word of God is, is trying to convey of what counseling is. Counsel of the multitude of people that God has placed in our lives is for the purpose of providing safety in your journey. We all have the freedom to make decisions on, on different spectrums. I mean, we could say, yes, we have the freedom to, to decide to, to walk this path. Well, we also have the freedom as it pertains to making sinful decisions as well. You have the freedom to just navigate life and to lead whatever it is you're responsible for leading, but you also have the freedom, as each one of us does, to, to make unwise decisions and walk ourselves into compromising situations. Sometimes without the multitude surrounding us and being able to drop those ideas and talk the situations through and having open hearts, we can find ourselves in some pretty unsafe situations. Unilateral decisions being made because we are afraid of people's responses. 
not getting or thinking that we're going to get favorable counsel. So instead, we seek out specific counsel. The Word of God says that this is, this is the, that sort of looking for those sort of people that are just going to sort of scratch your itch. Just sort of scratch the itch, make it feel a little bit better so that you can, you can proceed with a, with a sort of false sense of confidence. Unilateral, when we say unilateral decisions, it's plans of action being decided on one's own without engaging, without asking, without having an open heart, without putting ourselves under for hearing what the Lord would speak through the safety of the multitude. And again, to highlight and to emphasize that it needs to be a safe place. Everybody say a safe place. People will have a lot easier time listening to and processing and considering the counsel that comes out of a safe environment versus one that is crashing and trying to sink, in our perception, all of our plans. I remember another just example for our lives as I resort back to different pieces of it from time to time is when we had to make that decision from going from Asia for all those years that we were in Asia and at that point we were in Taiwan because we couldn't return to at least I couldn't return to China and for a long period of time we were we were seeking the Lord we were seeking counsel we were seeking that definitive moment where we had the peace of the Holy Spirit to make a decision and be okay with the decision and whatever the results of the decision would have been. And I remember during that process, especially towards the end of that process, which, which lasted, as I mentioned, 18, around 18 months, I remember towards the end of it there, it really boiled down to actually, after having many conversations with many people, it really boiled down to for me and Christina, there were, there were approximately three sources of counsel that we were seeking. And some was from the Philippines, some was Africa, some was from the U.S. And here's the thing. The three sources were not in alignment. That's the next challenge with seeking counsel is that you seek it. And next thing you know, you're being told or suggested or just kind of asked to consider three different things in my case. One person was just a little bit more bold than the other two. And strangely enough, the one that I, I knew the least amongst the council, but one that I trusted in and was just adamant, adamant against us returning to the Americas. Why would you go back to America? Don't go to America. America doesn't need any more churches. No, you need to go to Africa. Or you need to you need to just stay here in the Philippines. But whatever you do, don't go to America. And this person that was saying this was no was no person that I I could just ignore. It was their life, their words were important enough that I at least had to, I had to take them into prayer and consideration. The other person, a little bit more gentle, was still kind of on the, the anti-return back to America and more of, oh, just plant churches here. You know, you could, you know, we could give you a church tomorrow and you could be up and running and going about your way. And I was like, okay, that's, that's interesting. And then there was a third one that was probably a little less proactive throughout the whole situation. And I could even say quiet, very quiet throughout the whole process. We would spend some time bipping some ideas off of them, and they were pretty quiet until, until it came down to the very end. And I'd, we'd, we'd spend multiple months talking. All of a sudden, this last source of counsel, after me and Christina, and even occasionally with our kids, we're sort of just sort of talking it through and trying to figure things out. And all of a sudden, this last source of counsel in my multitude of counsel 
just spoke, and in this case, actually emailed. It wasn't even a live conversation, just emailed. It was the shortest email in the world. This person doesn't write long emails. It was like, it was literally like 10 words, maybe more. It seems like in my mind, it was like 10 words. But when those 10 words of counsel came through those, those airwaves, and, and I sat down with Christina, and we read it, we looked at each other, and we said, that's what we need to do right then. Just knew. Boom. Just knew at that moment. It was a, it was a trusted person. It wasn't somebody that, that, I, that we sought out for that one occasion. It wasn't somebody that, that we sought out because they would be favorable to one side or the other. But it was just somebody that we trusted with just offering what the Lord was placing upon their heart, using the word of God, understanding us and our lives and our callings and our mission. And all of a sudden, it set us on a whole new track to, to obvious results just here today. But counsel is something that we all need to seek and we all need to begin to trust in it. Because without it, everybody say without it. It's what I call the circle of chaos. Without it. And again, we can look holistically today, whether we're talking about the counsel of the word, the counsel of the Holy Spirit. We're talking specifically today about the multitude, talking about people in your life, not any Joe, random person, but people that God has brought into your life. So we're talking holistically and collectively, while at the same time just, just narrowing down to one specific part of the how God guides and leads us through this life. And without counsel, without accessing these different avenues that the Lord has provided for us, we're going to go to Judges in chapter 2, in verses 18 and 19. Judges chapter 2, the circle of chaos. Whenever the Lord, in verse 18, whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. Verse 19, but whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. There's a reason why Israel circled the desert for 40 years. I told y'all that story the last time that I was in Israel. We met this, we met this woman who walked all the way from from Egypt to, to Jerusalem in like recent times. And they were telling how it took her, for, she took 40 days for her to get there. And here the Israelites walked in the circle of chaos for 40 years. Because what would happen was is as God and would raise up a judge and the judge would, the judge would be all things, obviously, would, would go before them, would speak the word of God, would encourage them, would, would counsel them. And as the people would listen to the counsel and the admonition and the correction and the guidance and the, the word of God that would come from the judge, they would rent their hearts, they would soften their lives, and, and all of a sudden they would start living the good life again. All the, the chaos was gone. The, they would repent from their sins. They would get things straight in their families and in their lives. But when the judge died and this circle continued to happen, even for hundreds of years, this circle of bringing and raising up judges dying and the people going right back, circling the mountain again, and again, and again, not understanding what it meant to stop the cycle, to be not only good listeners, but to be good rememberers. You not only need to be open to hear the first time, you need to figure out how to keep 
those words in your heart and take them with you, whether it be majority of the time, the word of God, the most of the counsel and the words that I personally have carried with me through my life have been words that have come directly from the word of God. There have been occasions where others have given counsel and or prophetic words in my life that we have written down and my wife and I will recall from time to time that can continually be used as guidance in our life. But the majority of them is words that the Lord has spoken to us from his words and whether it be straight from his word to our heart or his word from the mouth of a prophetic utterance from another friend, Christian, um, pastor or mentor. In James, it says in chapter 1, verse 24, it says, For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he's like. You sit and you might get good counsel or you might make a, a resolution or a decision and, and you walk away and you're immediately hit with those waves that we were talking about just a minute ago and, and everything what you thought you knew and what you thought you heard and what you thought you were deciding and decisions that you thought you were making all of a sudden just go fly out. And we forget as in James here and we're not only needing to be good listeners, but we need to not Be good forgetters. We need to be bad forgetters. That's something that you can be bad at. If you want to be bad at something, be bad at forgetting. So often, we become our own source of counsel. We convince ourselves that our own counsel is The best counsel. Forgetting that all of us have blind spots in our life. And and the whole thing about a blind spot in your life is that you can't see it. Our spouse is a a great source of, of discussing and trusting and having a partner, an equal partner, helpmate in life. But you have to also remember one thing about your spouse as it pertains to making decisions and following counsel is that the two have become one. Technically, you're only one person in the discussion. You can get affirmation and even confirmation, but talking to your wife or for us ladies talking to our husband, it's it's like talking to ourselves in, in some respect. The two become one. The bond of marriage and matrimony, it's very special and important, but it it doesn't replace the need. For trusted, godly, outside counsel. In one respect, you could even call it a conflict of interest. To be making the most important decisions just among ourselves. So where do we go from here? And how do we begin to trust The multitude of counsel. How do we get to the place where the multitude of counsel is actually a safe place? Where you're not, we're not terrified to bring the struggles and to bring the challenges and decisions that we're having to make. We're no longer terrified and worried and nervous about bringing them to people that we trust in life. Being okay with the words that are spoken and understanding that each of us still at the end of the day make our own decisions but make them with clear conscience, make them with open eyes, make them with hearts that are filled with the peace of God. Romans chapter 15 verse 14. Romans 15, 14. Now I myself am confident concerning you my brethren, 
that you also are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. Look at this powerful scripture. I'm going to give you some different words to to go along with this, and you're going to have more opportunity in the fall to to really dig into this if if you would like. But here, this passage right here by Paul to this this church is saying to them that I am confident that you have the ability within you to be competent and equipped to be able to admonish, exhort, warn, counsel one another. I'm confident in in his, this case, this church of God that Paul was writing to. And this, this comes in, and you've heard Christina mention some weeks ago about this, this term, nuthetic counseling, and, and nutheo or nutheteo is how this word is being used right here. This word admonished in the word of God is this idea of to put into mind to caution or reprove gently. Everybody say gently. This isn't a harsh rebuke. This isn't the word of God on you. Now, feel bad and repent and turn from your ways. There, there might be some of that, that that needs to happen. But it's a gentle Reproof. It's a warning. It's an admonishing that comes from the body to the body. We're not even talking about, we're not talking about about pastor to body. We're talking about body to body. What we like to say, and it sounds a little bit strange, but body ministry. It's the body of Christ ministering to the body of Christ. It's us learning to have ears to listen to what the body, people that's part of the body of Christ are speaking into our lives. To admonish is to, again, caution gently. He goes to say that I have confidence. I am persuaded that you can actually do this both appropriately and successfully. Not going into a nuthetic or a nutheo circumstance with predetermined results in mind. That is not the job of the nutheo counselor. Going into that, I am your answer. I had somebody tell me that one time, the Lord's called me to be all your answers. <laughs> if you have a problem, the Lord's called me to solve your problem and to be your answer. Okay, we'll see how that goes. You see, people get nervous because people come into situations and, and many times we, we already come in with these predetermined outcomes. They're called opinions. They're called our opinions based upon our life experience, our understanding of how the Lord has spoken to us the word of God. But yet we are to competently effectively exhort gently and warn appropriately others in the body of Christ so that the Lord can actually work through and use each one of us seeking collectively the guidance of the Lord as it pertains to a person's life. This is the type of people and trust, not only in the Word of God and in the the Holy Spirit, but this is where the, the safety comes in. 
It says in Proverbs that the prudent, Proverbs 22, 3, got to be one of my favorite scriptures amongst, you know, all those favorite scriptures. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. The prudent, the prudent is the person who is careful, the person who seeks out all the avenues of guidance that the Lord has provided in our life. The prudent are able by way of counsel of the word, counsel of the spirit, counsel of the multitude. The prudent are able to see danger and they avert the danger by making the necessary and appropriate decisions that the Lord has placed upon their heart. They see danger and they don't just run straight into it. We have to train ourselves in the wisdom and the disciplines of both being and receiving newthetic, competent counseling. You have to train yourself. Some people think that a counseling setting amongst peers, and we're talking strictly amongst peers mostly today, but some people take that as a, as a, a free-for-all. I'm going to tell you everything that I've always wanted to tell you. Let me know how that goes for you. The fool only speaks everything that's in his heart. You see, it's the wisdom from heaven as we, as we focused on in past weeks. It's the wisdom of heaven. It's the timing of the Holy Spirit. It's the discipline of only speaking and saying those things which the Lord has given you, per se, the kind of green light to say, which does not mean everything at one time in one setting. Somebody has to have ears to hear. People have to have hearts to perceive. And let me tell you, a lot of times we come into this newthetic environment with hearts that are just barely cracked. They're barely cracked. They're like cracked just enough that, that I'm just going to tell you what I want you to tell me. But I'm going to sit in your presence and I'm going to listen and hope that you say something that I like. Barely cracked. But as on both parties, come in with open eyes and open hearts, and, and both are practicing the love of Christ. Because all of nuthetic, competent counseling is motivated by the love of Christ. It's not motivated by the desired outcome of going into that that time. It's motivated by, I want you to be able to hear what Jesus is saying, and I want the best for you and your family. I truly want the best for you. I want the best situation. I want all your dreams, all the dreams that Jesus has placed in your heart to come to pass in your life. I want all this to happen in your life. And that comes with patience and time and the wisdom of heaven as to how we are utilizing the trust that people are exerting to us. It's no small thing to admonish and to counsel each other as we navigate life. It's no small thing. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincerity of faith. The aim is love. It is difficult, if not both the counselor or the one admonishing and the one who's needing the admonishing. If both those hearts are not rooted in this aim of displaying the love of God and the genuine desire 
of the best for that person's life. We may admonish one for the love of Christ, but sometimes we get caught in kind of crossfire. The most effective counseling in any environment is that which is transparent, authentic, held accountable, so that one person is not speaking words that is going to ultimately be the only source of direction for an individual or a family's life. There is freedom in this authenticity. There is freedom and transparency, opening up our hearts, being an open book, not holding things in secret so that we don't want to receive or hear the things that we don't want to hear. Because at the end of the day, how we finish the race is more important than how we started. How we finish building our life is more important than how we started. It says in Luke in this last passage, as we just work on closing and preparing our hearts for the Lord's table, Luke 14, 28 through 33 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Verse 31, Or what king going to make war against another king does not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. It's an important passage of, of counting the cost. It's an important teaching of gaining the wisdom of heaven. So much so that this consider here, when it says consider, we might mistakenly think that this means to just sit down with oneself and consider. But this word consider is to sit down and to be advised. To sit down and be deliberate about counsel, about the mindset that we have, about being deliberate and resolved about finishing the task that we are saying we want to do. It is considering and taking counsel as one, both builder and or king type, are pursuing all the dreams and goals in one's life. There are times where we respond just emotionally. We press forward at times when we should have waited. We wait at times when we should press forward. I personally cannot remember any time that I've regretted not responding in an emotional state, whether to go or to wait. I personally cannot remember a time that I've regretted that to wait upon the Lord and to trust, to trust in those trusted people that God has brought in your life. Because receiving, because receiving the right counsel can avert wars, can save 
lives. Can avert lighting a fire that would consume thousands of acres of life and time. This is why the Word of God teaches us. Let us be slow to speak. Let us be quick to listen. And let us be slow to become angry. If you would, just open your hearts and just for a minute, just close your eyes with me today. And if the whomever would please prepare the, the Lord's table today, please. Thank you, Jesus. Just take a moment right now with the word of God that's just gone forth today. You know, there's hardly a week or a month where we're not experiencing something in life where we do not need to seek and receive the input of trusted, love-motivated people in our lives. Especially so when it, when it pertains to important life-altering, life-changing decisions. Holy Spirit, today we just open up our hearts before you. We open up our hearts to the counsel of the Word of God. We open up our hearts to the counsel of the Holy Spirit. And we open up our hearts to the multitude of counsel that you have brought in our lives surrounding us for safety's purpose, Lord, that we may be kept safe. Hallelujah. Just take a moment. Just take a moment. Just let the Spirit of the Lord just speak. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We just worship you today, Jesus. Search us and know us, Lord. See the innermost thoughts of our heart, Lord. Let the spotlight of your Spirit just search our hearts today, Lord. Lord, we want to be a humble people to be lovers of Jesus. To be a trusting people, Lord. Lord, I pray that today there would be healing that would come and take place. Lord, healing in some of our hearts today. Healing in our hearts for those who cannot, have not been able to trust in others, Lord, through the the things that we faced in life, the the hurts that we've encountered, the bad counsel we've been given, the wrong motives and the wrong intentions of people's hearts at time. Lord, we just humble ourselves and we release these things, Lord. We ask you to forgive us and, Lord, we forgive them in the name of Jesus. If there's somebody that you're holding on to hurt and and your your future decisions is constantly resorting to past situations as to why you're doing things that may not be how the Lord is instructing. I'm going to ask you this morning that you would just release that thing into the Lord's hands. Forgive that person. Forgive those people. And let the past be past. Putting those things which are behind, putting them behind us in the mighty name of Jesus. Putting them behind us and looking forward to the goal, to attaining the prize in Christ Jesus, which is in front of us. In front of us. Everybody say in front of us. We are forward-looking people. We're looking ahead. We're looking forward. Thank you, Jesus, for getting those things which are behind. Thank you, Lord. Lord, just coming and just releasing the burdens that some of your people are carrying, Lord, some of the burdens that we're carrying. Lord, laying aside that burden today in the mighty name of Jesus. 
You need to lay it aside. I can't or anyone else can't lay it aside for you. Lay aside that thing, that burden, which so heavily ladens you down. Lay it aside. Just push it aside. Receive forgiveness. Offer forgiveness in the mighty name of Jesus. Let it not hinder. Let it not hinder the decisions and the things that you're you're doing today and for tomorrow. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence in this place. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Go ahead and, if you would, stand and and just patiently come and um, receive the communion elements today. Go ahead and come and get that, please, if you would like to participate in the Lord's table. instructions to do this in remembrance of him looking looking and anticipating his return for his people for the church and here we are today this is a turning of our hearts it's a turning of our hearts towards heaven it's looking up from where our help comes it's calling upon the name of the Lord saying come Lord come Lord come for me Lord Come for your people, Lord. Come for your church, Lord. 
It's a remembrance of his brokenness. It's a remembrance of what he accomplished for us and the shedding of his blood that washes away all of our sins. If you have not yet done that, just right now as we take just one more moment, just allow Jesus just to come. Allow him just to come and and pour out his blood over your life, covering you, washing you, making you white, white as snow, washing away every sin as far as the east is from the west. His blood is powerful. We're not ashamed of the blood of Jesus, but we proclaim his brokenness. We proclaim his resurrection. We proclaim the shedding of his blood and the covering of his blood until he comes and returns for his people. Thank you, Jesus. Let's hold the bread in our hand. Lord, we thank you today. Lord, we thank you today. Lord, we thank you for your broken body, taking upon yourself, Lord, the punishment that each of us rightfully deserve. Lord, we proclaim your brokenness for us, Lord, and we are thankful, God. And God, we give you all the glory that, Lord, because of the stripes that you bore, that we can receive healing, forgiveness, transformation, eternal life, Lord. We give you all the glory today, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Go ahead and take of the bread. covenant that worship team is singing about this cup of covenant. It's the cup of promise. It's the cup of promise. And this cup represents represents the promise that Jesus shed for each one of us so that we could partake. So that we could inherit a blessing. So that we could love life. Even through the difficulties and challenges of life. We can love life. Look forward to good days, but most importantly, look forward to eternity with Christ. So Lord, together, Lord, we say, come, Lord. Lord, as your blood has covered us and covers us still today, Lord, we say, come, Lord. And God, we give you all the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Go ahead and take up the cup, please. the buckets to put those cups in and as you do that we're just going to close with one with one more song of worship god bless you for being in the house of the lord today for being here in his presence lord we just thank you god we give you all the glory we give you all the honor today in the mighty mighty name of jesus i pray amen